So re returning to the topic of Sankara, uh, just to re refresh once again, the Vajji Sankara, V-A-C-I, which is to do with the ability to articulate, to form a concept. And Kaya Sankara, the ability, the energy, the faculty that moves through the body, enlivens and vitalizes the body, uh, governs the body's uh, breath rate. <coughs> the movement of energy through the body. Chittasankara, the Sankara, the intelligence, the program, the energy, formulates perceptions, that's impressions, heart impressions, meanings, felt meanings, and they have a feeling to them, agreeable, disagreeable, neutral feeling, on a immaterial level, say on a psychological, unpleasant, pleasant, Neutral feeling derived from perception such as welcome, unwelcome, succeeding, failing, liked, disliked. How we can interpret um, signals in the external world or the kind of signals that um, become embedded in the heart. Because these sankharas as well as being activities, become formations. They become, um, they establish particular patterns and trains of, first of all, of thought. Secondly, of the, even the way we breathe and vitalize, <coughs> which parts of your body close down or open up, how far that goes. And 
the kind of perceptions and feelings that most regularly we give attention to, the most regularly come to our awareness. So the activities, the programs, active and a, if you like, a, a resultant aspect. We are, uh, we, we experience a sense of particular residual impressions, felt impressions, perceptions, um, agreeable or disagreeable, um, and particular energy patterns, supportive or afflictive, and particular thought patterns, ways of conceiving things. And these all flow together, work together. And out of the, the kind of established patterns, that seems like me. The whole package of the, you know, the residual, the more habitual, the familiar, that's, that's me. And so, you know, every, here I am again, here is the same kind of uh, pattern of uh, wanting to please, uncertainty about getting it right, faltering, um, whatever, you know, there's that way in which uh, particular impressions, perceptions of, of uh, not being adequate come up and therefore there's a kind of flutter that compensates for that. So the perception itself is kind of residual, it comes up, and then there's an activation that gets stimulated by that. A lot of our inner activation is just bouncing off our own perceptions, our own inner perceptions about ourselves or others, or what we should do or what we can't do, or the world, and so on. So often we are kind of steering through our own landscapes. And it's feeling as landscapes, me, are actually permanent, residual, not subject to change. You've just got to learn to steer through your wobbly patches and your over-the-edge experiences and see if you can find the place where you can coast <laughs> and feel good. There's some activity around that, isn't it? And then that gets played out in how we act and speak in the external world to try to avoid or navigate through the, the wobbly places into where we feel more comfortable and cruising ahead. Now, the only thing to rec- recognize is uh, the simple saying, Sabe Sankara and Icha, all Sankaras are relative, um, inconstant, changeable. That is, those programs are subject to shift and change. <clears throat> this means that our interior landscape that we may learn to navigate through with some skill, actually the landscape could change itself. We didn't have to, we don't have to have the same old me that we're steering through with its histories and so on. It might be rather a fresh piece of territory. And in understanding this and learning this and practicing with this, we learn a lot about uh, reality. And the transitory, relative, ephemeral nature of our, our self.
So with this, then it becomes more, you don't need to be that one anymore, you know. They don't seem to be very impermanent because they get they get reactivated, and so they become kind of uh, reactivated, reestablished time and time again. <coughs> Sankara. Now to, today I'll talk, talk a little about the Vajji Sankara, the uh, articulation, the verbal formation, the verbal program, often associated with thinking and speaking. Mm. Although it's not exactly thinking and speaking, it's the energy that allows thinking to occur. So it's not the thought, it's the formation of thought how a thought gets formed up, gets formed. And how if that energy is carefully attended to, thought can be carefully formed. Once you begin to learn that, you can also learn how to gently unform it, soften it, let it subside. You don't have to have the runaway train of thought. And so then thought can be applied, thoughtfulness can be applied skillfully, consciously, purposefully. And then, that's enough of that. Now we can let it dissolve. Still the energy remains there. The Vajisankara remains there, but now it's like a potential of clarity. Sometimes like a Clarity with hardly any thought in it. Just occasional little, oh, uh, uh and then the rest of it, the energy becomes a kind of deep, attentive, listening clarity. Mm -hmm. So it's not, we're not dumbed out. We're not anesthetizing thought or suppressing it, but uh, transforming it by recognizing not so much the topic of thought, it's agreeable, disagreeable, nagging, whining, bouncing, but the energy of it. So many practices are associated with deliberately forming a thought, like mantra, you know. So, so, uh, any practices, or there are practices, meditation practices, which just really apply to framing up a thought, bringing the thought to mind. Simple thought, buddho. Noticing the space before you're about to think it. And then, you know, focusing on that. So for that moment, our attention recedes from the eyes, the ears, so forth, it just really comes back into like you're about to speak, and then framing the forming the thought would, and uh, particularly in uh, uh, Theravada tradition, the 
the mantra often uses buddho, and it's it's connected to the kaya sankara, the body formation, the body program, breathing in, breathing out. So you're breathing in. So you're really learning to to put the two together, and of course, buddho no, itself has a perceptual resonance. The awakened, the sacred, the blessed, whatever, you know, whatever it means for you, whatever felt meaning there is in in such a uh, concept. So frame the thought, would, and as you breathe in, you lengthen the thought over the inhalation and as you breathe out you lengthen the syllable do over the exhalation so there's uh, using the kaya sankara to steady connect to the vajisankara and also sustain a particular Chitta Sankara, just with one word. <laughs> and the pausing at the end of the word and the end of the breath, relaxing, relaxing the body, relaxing in the breath. Softening the energy, letting go and then waiting. The in-breath comes flushing in, the syllable rises with it. Extending that syllable, stretching it over the in-breath, the top of the in-breath, resting, hovering, and then breathing out. So, this is one system that's used. Let's <coughs> place it, offer it. So essentially, it's a connecting uh, practice. It's connecting. However, you do it. Connecting is uh, um, crucial. You can't, if you, you know, you can't feel, you can't have any samadhi, full samadhi, without the unification. Samadhi means unification. So, what is there to be unified? Well, the three sankharas essentially coming together. And if there isn't that unification, there we get something like a fixation. You know, we all, we can all do that, and you can all fixate on something. Stick to it, or you know, it could be really unpleasant fixation, obsessive thought, and something about the way that uh, that occurs for us. We we do get these obsessive thought patterns or emotional patterns, obsessive 
Emo- the emotion is really sanya, perception and feeling and sankara, activation. So a particular perception touches you, there's that trembling activation and the feeling that goes with it. And then that can just spin out into, into a, a whole cascade of escalating emotions and perceptions and thoughts. So this is the emotional cascade. So that can happen, and we stick, we find ourselves held by that, or a particular worry or concern or thought or nagging thought sticks and sticks and sticks and keeps recurring. Mm. Question or concern of some kind. Yeah. Because the fundamental... uh, program of Sankara is, is establish establish something solid establish something lasting now, it's curious that these formations are innately transient, impermanent and yet their activity is to try to keep framing up something lasting and solid that lasting and solid is me hmm. That's what they're doing. They're framing up that that me experience. So this is how these lead to rebirth, birth again, again and again. Framing up, framing up, framing up. Here we are again. You know, particular familiar patterns. Now, when they're disconnected, all that inclination to frame up permanence rests in the on one of them so we might find ourselves strangely habituated around a particular thought because it may be unpleasant but it's me (laughs) it's kind of lasting permanent miserable but me and you know I kind of know how to work with that or you get certain psychological or you know things you do with that, you can r- really run through or a whole process with that. It's it's, it's curious, and it's it's in- instinctive, because the instinct is to find a permanent self. And if you can't find it in the wholeness and the completeness of your being, the sankara finds it in a fragment. And so this is very much the plight of the uh, untrained, undeveloped mind is it places, makes a self out of a fragment and the fragment by its fragmentation is innately unsatisfactory, sometimes acutely so. Sometimes really quite, you know, dismal Uh, because it's a fragment because you can't get the fulfillment without all three coming together and finding harmony. So the curious position that uh, undeveloped, uh, unawakened mind is in, is in finding permanent selfhood around suffering, around that which is either just not very satisfying or occasionally really quite 
quite miserable. Why did he do that? You know, because the inclination towards permanence is the fundamental program of the sankara. To frame up something lasting, to create a self, the unawakened. Mm-hmm. So it's necessary for us to to handle these, uh, to uh, to really handle those energies. This is independent of the topics. Obviously, the topics have are relevant and pressing and so on. But um, you can't really deal with the topics. Well, you know, in meditation, if you're aiming for the results that meditation can give you, you can't uh, resolve those topics by following them, by thinking them through. Particularly the topics that touch the heart, affect us deeply, our concerns, they may have quite uh, reasonable things, issues to them, you know, what should I do about my job or my partner or so and so and so, have to work it out. Yes, indeed, there is something to be worked out. But first of all, you have to work out how how you're suffering, how you're framing that, how that's becoming so established. So you can get, you can approach that topic from somewhere of resource and deep understanding that goes beyond the topic. Just you notice how it is. You have something there, somebody from five, ten years ago, you had a difficult time with. So it's still there. It's still sitting there in your, in your chitta. You're still arguing with them. You're still figuring out who was right and wrong. And <laughs> they've, they've went their own way years ago. And they've got all kinds of other features apart from that one disagreeable piece. But you take that particular fragment established there and you're going to keep picking it and gnawing away at it. Somehow assuming, or not assuming, the instinct is if you do this long enough, you'll sort it out. You'll resolve it, you'll cure it, you'll fix it. If you think something through long enough, you'll get to an answer. Does that happen? <coughs> Does thinking take you to an answer, or does it just take you to a point when you go, oh, well, I suppose that's it then. Never mind. And then, but what I should have said was, it just take you to a pause when you just relax a bit and oh, for that and then so and so you know you said that then you pick it up again it doesn't take you to answers but it always says I'll take you to an answer just follow me I'll take you to certainty conclusion finished resolved I'll take you there you can get on board for another ride uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it <laughs> And it doesn't take you 
takes you to the next doubt. <laughs> so let's begin to really undermine or check in with the the underlying assumption behind thought. It's going to take you to, to clarity, decision, understanding, answers, conclusions. No, it isn't. It'll take you to another set of concepts and perceptions that should then trigger off more concepts and perceptions. More activations. That's what it will do. Notice it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you see the human search for understanding. Uh, recently they trying to understand the beginnings of the universe and they shattered it down to like a trillionth of a nanosecond or something down right there and it took how many billions of dollars to build things to smash things apart <laughs> to get down to the real 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 ultimate bit and they got this finally for some kind of absolutely infinitesimal flicker of an instant they found the the higgs boson now we've got it this is it this is where it began <laughs> with the higgs boson and you wonder how long it would take before somebody goes, yeah, but where did the Higgs boson come from? <laughs> <laughs> Let's smash it apart again. <laughs> You're trying to find the beginning. The beginning. The beginning of the beginning. The beginning of the beginning of the beginning. And you can't find it. Because <laughs> it... <laughs> it doesn't, you can't go there. As you go <laughs> to the big, and you can't get to the end of it either. So when it concludes, what you experience instead is the arising, kind of forming, like crystallizing, out of potency. Consider it more like uh, when you breathe on a cool glass, cool glass, and first of all, there's nothing much, and then the misting. And then it forms into water droplets, and then you get these trails of water. But it's not like you spat on the glass. It's just the the potency of warmth touches the cool and gradually set forming. This is more like the arising of thought, except it happens a lot quicker than that. The kind of tendency to incline towards inclining towards knowing, inclining towards and then thought comes up. Sometimes when your mind is, is calm, you can almost sense it about to happen. You know, mind is scurrying around something then, something to feel annoyed about. <laughs> something to try to figure out. Something I should be remembering now. Something I should be worrying about now. What is it? Did I feed the cat? Did I... Did I do something wrong? Did I not do something right? Yeah. Then it crystallizes. Ah, oh, got it. And your worry has been confirmed again. <coughs> something to aim for. Something to you know that we can move towards. Conceiving of that. I was feeling quite okay, and 
So sitting, breathing in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this going to take me to first jhana? Or should I? Is this jhana just getting dull and sleepy? <laughs> yeah, something that, you know, thinking, trying to creep in there. It's uh, give me something to to uh, form. So it's often the the Vajji Sankara is triggered by particular uh, Jitta Sankara moods or impressions, residual moods and impressions such as uncertainty. It's quite normal for humans to want to know how we are, where we are, how things are. Are we okay? It's not unhealthy. You know, am I safe? Am I okay? Where, but then, you know, often the case is that that brings up particular thoughts or impressions. And instead of really following the sense of, of, are things okay? Am I okay? We follow the sense of uncertainty. Oh, not okay. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. So if we get that overriding perception of unwelcome or uncertain or anxious, then you don't find a a resolution of that. Now, if the thought formation is is properly attuned, you feel it coming up, how am I, how are things, you check in. And you check in for how your body is. It's very, it's trying to get it quite specific. <coughs> Because if it just floats and you're, you know, and you're looking into the heart, how you feel, whether you feel all right or not, how you are, you're very likely going to come up against one of those established perceptions. So the question, how am I, if it's not guided, will tend to go towards the areas in the heart where these established perceptions are and we reactivate them. Understand? The more conscious we are about the question, the more we hold it steadily and guide it. So it's not just sucked towards our habits. So the stuff that's habituated, the habitual perceptions, impressions, self-views, those are, have got a lot of energy in them and they grab your attention. You don't consciously guide yourself towards them, they reach up and grab you, pull your attention in. Those are the ones you don't want to give attention to. These are the, the tense places, you know, 
Same as in the body. You know, the pieces that grab you are the pieces that are tense or afflictive. They, they, they demand attention. They pull energy towards them. As they pull energy towards them, re-establish themselves more fully. So we're learning instead that if you carefully guide attention, rather than let it get pulled, dragged, and you carefully guide it towards, first of all, towards, you know, where's the, where's it comfortable now? Where can you build up your resources now? Where can you build up your strength, your trust, your clarity, your happiness? Where can you build that up? Guide your attention that way. Direct it that way. Don't let it be grabbed. So you find yourself dragged into another one of these train rides. The express route to Sangsara. That's that's exactly what it is. It's the, the runaround. You've been dragged to it. It's it. So you're just careful of that. If it's become if it's become compulsive and grabbed you, it's probably not the kind of train you want to get on. <laughs> so you know, just, just step back from that. Feel the energy of it, that rush. And before you take that any further, yeah, you can't you can't really derail that thought while you're riding on it. Come off. Build up your resources, your sense of being able to deliberately direct your attention, direct your thought, direct your thoughtfulness, direct your thought energy. So, you know, this is like Buddha, or may I be well, or breathing out, or perception of something, a person, or a state or an incident that gives joy and satisfaction to the heart. A perception that expresses the the happiness of letting go. How nice it is when we just feel free and clear. As the Buddha Self said in the uh, Sutra on the Twofold Thought in the Majimini Kaya, he says, Well, when I was still unenlightened, then my th- when I noticed my th- attention would go towards uh, objects and themes associated with ill will or with harshness, cruelty, or with uh, gratification and sensuality, I acknowledge that this is not doing me any good. This doesn't do anybody else any good. This does not lead to Nibbana. Why do I do this? Why don't I direct my attention towards objects, themes, attitudes, which generate and give me, get me in touch with the faculty of kindness, or non-ill will, compassion, the ability to embrace the difficult rather than feel harsh and repel it and uh, letting go. The pleasure that comes from, instead of being activated by the sense object, we're activated by our ability to open to it. 
enjoyment. <coughs> so enjoyment is of various kinds. The enjoyment of a peach or a piece of music is very much uh, uh, associated with the object itself or what the object seems to contain for us. Happiness, uh, fulfillment, so on. It's dependent upon the object. How many peaches can you eat? And uh, how long does it last? So you think, yeah, yeah so some pleasure occurs with that, some enjoyment occurs with that. It's rather momentary and, uh, and so on. And you've got to have peaches around to do it. <laughs> or whatever it is, some motorbikes, you know. Uh, <coughs> surfboards, giant waves, boxing matches, whatever it is, you have some particular thing happening. So you're always hooked on that. And this is where we addiction occurs, isn't it? We find our enjoyment experience in the particular thing, and we somehow it causes us to open to it. And some said a sense of agreeable experience occurs. Now we're not repudiating enjoyment, though sometimes renunciation sounds like it, but instead of something enjoyment dependent upon the object, enjoyment is dependent upon the subject, which means my ability to open and embrace silence, open and embrace and enjoy silence, my ability to open and embrace and enjoy breathing, open and embrace and enjoy the ending of an out-breath, open, embrace and enjoy the beginning of an in-breath, open, embrace and enjoy the ability to conceive one thought. Pretty marvellous, actually. So it's dependent upon deliberate activity of mind, which you've got all the time, rather than objects that you've got to go and find. So it's considered a higher more fulfilling kind of enjoyment because it's not dependent upon objects and it leads towards deepening uh, one's interior one's mind one's heart mind and heart become extremely supple and flexible and receptive this is why it's called the bliss of renunciation you have this suddenly you realize you've got this power to do that. You see why so often they kind of uh, look at the outward forms, particularly monastic, with the eyes downcast, not doing very much, restrained, or, geez, it's a bit grim, intense, what are they doing? They're enjoying themselves. <laughs> By t- turning down, dimming, turning down the sense doors, you go to the mind door, and you can open that more directly. It's like you're not being nudged by objects all the time. But of course, it, it's not. You know, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with the objects per se. That's okay. But you find a deeper, richer sense of the subjective opening to the here and now. Now, this is something we are really encouraging with 
all the sankhara forms that instead of finding stability, permanent satisfaction in you know grabbing or being grabbed or grabbing all the habitual things or being grabbed by habitual things, you deliberately exercise them to open to the space, the endings, the beginnings, to open to themselves, to actually open to themselves, to open to the energy that brings breathing in. The energy that comes up with a thought. The energy that establishes a perception in the mind. So we think, you know, Buddha, 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 Buddha. What's that? Buddha. <laughs> you know? It takes a while, you've got to keep, so you start enriching it, you know, the blessed, blessed, what does that mean? Uh, The blessed one, the happy one, the fortunate one, the wise, any any of these, you play with it until you establish your your Buddha, the Dhamma, Mm? Uh, here and now available. Inviting, inviting you, encouraging you, inviting you to come see, not delayed in time, directly visible in yourself. Wow, that's encouraging. Whatever perceptions arise, and for me, mostly the perception is one of a sort of gladness, openness, um, immediacy. Like it's here for you. You know, it's not. You go, wow, they've got this potential here. <clears throat> so when there's careful framing of a thought pick up thought, a thought form even a very small thought form smaller the better really so you can deliberately arouse it hold it carefully this thought form is not addict, it's not addictive it's not habituated it's not associated with ill will Fear, anxiety, cruelty, cynicism, bitterness, dismissiveness, depression, and so forth. It's not associated with putting myself down, putting others down. Not associated with that. It's not associated with trying to grab hold of something. It's associated with the opposites. This particular energy. It's a love, lovely quality to it. Lifted, abundant, exalted. And so following it through. This is when we deliberately evoke a thought, deliberately activate that, that capacity. Now you don't actually need a lot of words for that. So this is uh, also associated with vitaka vichara is is the thought is the way that is what it activates what vajji sankara activates vitaka vichara so a bit of pali vitaka the ability to point to aim to 
you you know, to, to point the finger. Vichara, the ability to handle, assess, to roll it around in the palm of your hand. So, this is these are the this is the essential uh, way that the Vajrasenkara really activates the pointing and the whole rolling it around in your hand, pointing with your finger, rolling around your hand, and you know, in, in a we have so many thoughts and so often so rushed and so running through us that often that process is extremely blurred. You get a sense of suddenly things are thrust at you, you jump to a word leap off of screens and jump into you and you're just kind of just about rolling it around. The next one rushes in. So you don't get much vichara, much handling it. It's just dump, dump, boom, 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 flash, 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 flash. Things jumping in. And you get the overall sense is overwhelmed. Uh, just uh, roller coaster experience. So we've got to slow that right down. So those two faculties can come into play. And when you have your own thought trains, what you do with to, to slow that train down is okay. You, know, you, you listen to a few seconds of it. Go on too long, just a few seconds. And then, well, what's the overall? What's the one word that sums all that up? It comes to you most immediately. It could be just uh, hurried, or it could be um, busy, or it could be uh, anxious or irritated. Doesn't matter what it is. So you, just to get down to the one thing. So you're then trimming it down. Pressure, busy, tense, overwhelmed, too much. How does that feel? So then you, from the feeling of it, feeling it out is the vichara. How does that thought feel? What does it evoke? What perception does it evoke? And then how can, can you be with that? So this is where we hold it and holding it, breathing into it, holding it with the breath holding it in the heart, so we connect to that. And you breathe into it, sending energy through. Sending energy through one sense of busyness or anxiety, just not curing it, but just sending energy through it. As I was saying uh, earlier about the body, how when you, when you bring something out of its frozen state, or its static state, or its deactivated state, you don't you don't do anything with it. You, you do to other parts and send energy through that so it begins to feel some energy moving through it. So we just bring some clear, steady breathing through the energy of your thought, of the obsession, of the uh, difficult piece. Breathing through the anger, breathing through the fear, breathing through the regret. No justification is needed that experience it, no it doesn't matter you know, not right or wrong it's just what's happening and feeling it in your body breathing through it letting your body open when you can't open your heart you open your body if you open your body first your heart has more potential to follow it open heart does not 
go into the contractions of ill will or fear or regret. It stays open. Open heart allows the arrow to drop out of it. Closed heart, however much it's defending itself against the pain, the closed heart clenches around the pain and holds it in. The open heart opens up and lets the arrow drop out. Once we are free from the, the, the feeling, the stab of our unresolved thoughts and perceptions, when we're free from the stab of them, then we can begin to look into that. And Where did that one come from? Who, who shot it? Who do you think it hit? What was it about? Exploring it, seeing how one is uh, sensitive or triggered, where one's weak spots are, where one's uh, unawakened areas are, how we let ourselves get stuck. But first of all, you've got to let the arrow drop out. It doesn't really matter anymore. You know, this is like forgiveness, could say. You know, you've got to be realize that forgiveness isn't just something you can slap on. Uh, you think, I forgive you, even though you're a jerk. <laughs> so, oops. Didn't quite get it there. I'd like to forgive. I'd like to. I don't like to think of myself holding grudges, but actually, <laughs> it is still stuck there. And I just keep trying to pour some goodwill over it, which is a nice idea. Yeah, even though you're obnoxious, I, I, I just <laughs> pour some goodwill over that. No, it's perhaps you know. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, but at least in terms of action. But in terms of one's own psychological reaction, you've got to come where you keep hitting that impression of that obnoxious person who's stuck, who's stuck there. Uh, now, the real being has probably walked out of your life, hopefully, a while back. <laughs> or it could be a part of yourself that you dislike. You know, some foolish thing or part of yourself that you dislike, stuck there. So the forgiveness is more like really coming back to the point of the arrow, the feeling. The feeling. So feeling, perception and feeling activate the heart. As long as the feeling is still there, the perception is still there, in some sense or another, it has not been completed. Even though we may indeed, with good intention, you know, do the nice things around it, still, you know, the the peace is still in there. So we come back to the feeling of, yeah, what it felt like to be, to feel hurt. First noble truth. Widening, softening, everybody gets this. Widening, body, opening up to that. Feeling is a feeling. Let the feeling be a feeling. It doesn't have to be a self. This really is in a short form, in cryptic form. As long as it's a self, it's still held in that sankara. The sankara is still forming it 
as self. That's what it's doing. It's still in that unawakened state of forming a self out of pain. Pain is not avoidable. Self is avoidable. Pain is not avoidable. So, you know, you can't abandon the pain until you've abandoned the self. The self that's protecting you from it or trying to protect you from it is not protecting you from it. You know, the structuring that we get around to try to form a membrane around that pain, dissonance, does not protect you from it. Because the Sankaras are still binding in that same way. You come into the fullness of them, you think, where can this be? Where can it be open? Perhaps it could be open just a place in my chest, body. Because all three line up, you see. So when you translated the thought into the perception, the emotion, you, you connected the, the thought to the emotion, you connect the emotion to the body, and well, actually, you, you can't shift the emotion, but you can shift the body. So you start to sort of breathe, widen, breathe through that. And that tendency where we can begin to open into a more healthy sankhara, the free flowing of the breathing, the healthy form of the sankhara, then that begins to nudge the heart into also opening to its freedom rather than its selfhood, closing into its selfhood. So, reflect wisely. Pick up a thought form, play with thought forms. Know how to form a thought form skillfully. Notice the nature of a thought form. It's arising, it's subsiding, how it affects you. This is the calming process, the steadying process, the insight process. Take one of those pieces of thought that seems to be self and me. This is what insight's about. When there's adequate resource, and we, what does that really mean? We explore, we investigate. What does that thought form really mean? You know, it means let down or disappointed or something wrong with me. We don't have to quibble about that. That's the way it feels. So we take that. Okay, there it is in the heart, that sense, whatever's happening around that, the contracting or the twisting. And you start to, as you feel that breathing, using your breath energy, widening, softening the body across your chest, your throat, wherever it feels it needs to be fully you know, opened, and then tuning into that. So that that sympathetic resonance between body and heart. And then, oh, it was just a feeling. Not a person. Not myself. Then it can pass. Sabe Sankara Nicha. All formations are impermanent, subject to change. But we have to find the way of opening to allow them to change, rather than locking, 
that keeps them repeating in these nagging habits. practice this morning. Just like to um, say not very much about walking meditation, so bear with me. <laughs> I deal with my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> 